enter the creative world of Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge and advice from the industry's best. Fjords is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Tim Parsons. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjorge, and today on our show, uh, we, we will be speaking with Brad Wilkie about his full-service digital media and audience engagement agency, Smart House Creative. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Not too bad. I really appreciate you having me on the show and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely, I'm glad you could glad you could be here. Um, so, Brad, you're a, a, a co-founder at uh, Smart House Creative. Can you tell us a little bit about what the company does? Yeah, so Smart House was co-founded by uh, myself and uh, Ryan Davis, who is a publicist, and I at the time was working primarily as a, a digital marketing strategist, and we were both. Uh, very deeply embedded in the independent film world, especially here in Seattle. I had been programming uh, films for the Seattle International Film Festival, uh, pre-screened a couple years for Sundance, and then had also been uh, writing and directing short films and uh, writing feature screenplays as well. So it was sort of the in the zeitgeist at the moment, and both of us realized that the hardest thing uh, for us to do in our, you know, kind of like entrepreneurial startups was uh, business development. So we thought, you know, maybe if we, you know, combine our complementary skill sets, you know, we could also uh, gain some advantages with uh, business development and, you know, reaching out to our different uh, networks and, you know, and slowly building the, uh, you know, the company and our client roster. So, so that was four years ago. And now we have, uh, you know, two employees uh, here in Seattle and a number of other contractors around the country that we that we use for specific projects especially in los angeles and new york which are where you know the majority of uh independent film clients uh come from so brad tell me about your background you said you're a digital marketing specialist um uh where how did you get started in that yeah so i'm going to try to keep that to the uh 30 to 60 second uh, time limit that you mentioned before because it is a little bit of a you know, connecting the dots after the fact makes sense, maybe, but uh, but not really. So I actually uh, started off uh, in the Army. I went to West Point uh, for my undergraduate and got a, a Bachelor of Science in Environmental in- Engineering, which honestly I have I have never applied in my professional career. So that's that's one thing, you know, sort of like college. What does it, uh, you know, so I put off going to graduate school for a long time. I was in the army for five years, which is when I started making uh, films here in Seattle because I was stationed at Fort Lewis, which is just south of here in, in uh, just outside of Tacoma, Washington. So I lived in Tacoma for five years, was in the, the army uh, engineer corps and uh, for a brief time in the protocol office at the uh, first corps headquarters on Fort Lewis and uh, which is now Joint Base Lewis-McChord. If anybody wants to you know, has any familiarity with that. That's uh, that's how long ago this was, it feels like. So I got out of the Army in 2003, uh, bounced around for a little bit, did some freelance editing, uh, kept working on film projects, and then uh, eventually wound up at uh, a Head Start program here in Seattle as the operations manager. I actually found it quite difficult to find a job after getting out of the Army. Uh, you know, strangely enough, I, I thought it was going to be a lot easier, but, you know, it was sort of post 2001 recession and I think the job market was still 
slowly recovering. So when I was at uh, the place, it was called Denise Louis Education Center, served primarily refugee and immigrant families uh, new to the Seattle area. So uh, while I was there, I was doing volunteer management and came up with the idea for uh, uh, an app called Flash Volunteer, which was a real-time, uh, real-world volunteer engagement platform uh, that was mobile-based that was sort of a, a mashup of uh, you know, a typical volunteer bulletin board, uh, social media, and then you know, maybe a little bit of Foursquare. And, you know, it won a couple of awards at different pitch contests, but, you know, never, never was able to, to sort of achieve the, the vision, if you will, that I had in mind for it of, you know, volunteers being able to pop in, you know, to a, a nonprofit or, you know, community group that needed help or to create their own projects outside of the more formal channels and, you know, do a park cleanup. And it was all open source. So eventually we wound it down and then there turned out to be a, an organization in Louisville that was trying to do the same thing a few years after us. So they asked, you know, somebody told them about what we were doing. So we gave them the code, which they, you know, are at, at this time, like building into their own uh, system. So it's good to see that. And, you know, the guy, a great compliment in my mind, he said, you know, you guys were really ahead of your time when you were trying to put this out. And and I think that's somewhat true, but doesn't really, you know, I, I don't want to say it was a failure, but uh, the reason I go into such depth is because I was basically like product managing the platform and the mobile app, as well as, you know, doing fundraising and, you know, directing the volunteer board. And, you know, I had the role of executive director. And that also happened to be when I went back to graduate school. So went back to get an MBA at the University of Washington's uh, Foster School of Business and while I was there, I also really got interested in what at the time was called their MCDM program, which was Master of Communication in Digital Media. And now it's uh, changed to the COM LEAD, so Communications LEAD, Leadership, I think is what it fully stands for. But that's a, you know, a, great, a great program. So I ended up getting uh, both of those uh, graduate degrees and then started work at PATH, which is a global health nonprofit here in Seattle, uh, NGO actually does a lot of work with the Gates Foundation. And I was hired as their first uh, digital engagement strategist. So kind of had to get a handle on all of the social media channels uh, around the world, actually. And, uh, you know, run the digital kind of marketing plan, the strategy, you know, put the got the CEO up, uh, up and running on Twitter. So, you know, it was it was fun. A lot of different things, you know, went to the UN with a delegation and, you know, ran the social media there for a, I can't remember what it was, what it was called, but it was, it was fun. It was a lot of, you know, high level kind of stuff. And then I got laid off <laughs> after 10 months because they had a budget, uh, a big budget cut, which led to, uh, you know, I actually turned down a job that I, that I got right after that because I realized it would kind of take me too far away from what I thought my passion was, uh, which was, you know, movies and storytelling and sort of the digital world. So, you know, turned down this job uh, with the University of Washington. And that actually sort of, you know, empowered me in a certain way or gave me more confidence in a, you know, sort of a strange way. Um, because I felt like now I had the, you know, sort of the, the control and, you know, sort of a more agency in my career, which led to the founding of, uh, at the time, it was called Catalyst Digital Strategies. And, um, which eventually became Smart House. It has changed the, 
you know, the name and the LLC designation and everything. And now Smart House is an S Corp, um, which we don't have to get into, but uh, it's more more of a tax a tax kind of thing with the new tax bracket, you know, like all, all that stuff. So, you know, that's something else that, you know, beyond just like the digital marketing and publicity and everything, you know, uh, Ryan and I are, you know, really kind of front and center when it comes to all the business and legal decisions that go into running a company, which I think a lot of people don't consider, you know, when they're, when they're starting a company is, is that they really, you know, the buck stops there and, but I like that, you know, and I think that stems from my time in the army. You know, I, I like sort of being so where Brad, the buck stops. <laughs> Brad, you, you said that you like that. Um, why do you like that? Uh, you know, for me, it's it's kind of a, a transformational leadership thing, I would call. I think you see a lot of management and quote unquote leadership that is much more transactional. And, you know, it's really based on a you know, like a reward and a punishment system in a lot of ways. And I think that works, you know, it worked in the army and I think it works for large corporations. But, you know, when you get more to the the small business level and the mid-sized business level, I think a lot of the success of a company, you know, and at the large scale as well, but, but really stems from, you know, how willing the leader is to, to get out in front of problems and to shield, you know, employees from, you know, like not throwing people under the bus, I think is what it comes down to. And I think you see a lot of that in corporate America uh, these days, you know, like, you know, the Wells Fargo CEO, for instance, you know, blaming the frontline tellers for the scheme that they had cooked up, you know, at the top for, uh, you know, increasing the number of accounts that each customer had, because that was something that was measured. So I think, you know, when you're, you know, incentivizing employees, I personally think if you have the time that those intrinsic motivators, you know, the pride in worksmanship and, and sort of the, the ability to, to take ownership of projects and to feel empowered, you know, with, within boundaries, I think is, you know, I, I find a lot of, I take a lot of pleasure, really. Like I enjoy, um, you know, kind of being in there, you know, I, I don't enjoy firing people, but, you know, having to fire people is you know part of the part of the role part of the job when you're running a company and you know it's it's very difficult but you know each time i've done it it's been you know luckily so but a very positive experience i think even for the person who was firing fired because you know it wasn't like they were like you know reamed out or something like that it was more just like this isn't working and you know, and I feel like those were some of the biggest leadership challenges is, is figuring out when to make that decision, if it was justified, and then how to present that, you know, really potentially negative information and decision, you know, to the uh, the employee. So, you know, I, I really enjoy, you know, that element of running a company is, is sort of, you know, being responsible and, and taking responsibility for the good and the bad. But, you know, when it comes to the good, you know, I think that's, you know, it's always best when you can distribute that praise, you know, among everyone if you can, because that's just going to continue to build that foundation, which, you know, I think is essential for a successful business, especially at the smaller, you know, a smaller scale, like under 10 employees. Totally. Um, what is it that Smart House does really well? Yeah, so so that's a great question, and I think over over time we've really refined kind of what our focus is, and you know that is really you know in the in the high level sense it's delivering 
you know, value to our clients, which is what a lot of companies say. But I think what we, you know, really do and where it makes a huge difference is that a lot of our clients don't have big budgets and they've got reasonable budgets. Like we, you know, in the beginning, we did a little bit of work for free to build, you know, some, uh, some case studies and some work samples. But, you know, now it's, you know, we can't, we can't do that anymore because we have a payroll to make and, you know, all sorts of other um, responsibilities when it comes to running the company. So, uh, you know, what we've been able to do is work with, you know, independent films that, that we believe in for, you know, the most part, and then, uh, you know, really find a way to deliver value because that's what builds word of mouth referrals and, you know, gets people talking about like, wow, you know, Smart House, like they didn't charge me $300 an hour, which, you know, some, some uh, you know, agencies in our space, there's a handful of them, but not, not a lot, but, you know, they have really high prices. And, you know, it's, it's something that I think like delivering value and then, you know, bringing to bear a, a true uh, sort of bottom line perspective. So, you know, some of that derives from my time spent in business school. And, you know, we don't do anything that is kind of, and also from, you know, running Flash Volunteer and, and Smart House. And I also have another company that is complementary to Smart House called Wonderstream, which is a, like a social live streaming uh, platform that is going through its final phase of development right now. And we should be launching that later this summer. Um, but, you know, as, as I was saying, it's, it's really about delivering that value and then uh, providing the expertise that doesn't just result in, oh, that was a cool thing. You know, it built a lot of quote unquote awareness, but it didn't really deliver. And now we're $5,000 in the hole because we wanted to do something that was, you know, trying to, to leverage user generated content to support an independent VOD release, which, you know, really doesn't work, you know, for as often as you see, you know, um, like, oh, yeah, you know, Hunger Games, like they dominated social media with only a $10 million budget. You know, that's because they've got like a, a built in, you know, uh, audience base. So we do a lot of the same, employ a lot of the same strategies for independent clients at a fraction of the price. And, you know, I think that combined with a focus on the bottom line and, you know, are you actually building a sustainable creative career for yourself, uh, you know, through the monetization of your content that's, you know, right there. I mean, it sounds so corporate or so like business focused, but that's what a lot of uh, creative entrepreneurs, filmmakers, they need that perspective because they oftentimes don't think about it or they reject it like I did when I was younger that, you know, that's for the suits or the squares or something. So you know, I think we do a good job of straddling that line because, you know, Ryan and I are both filmmakers. I, you know, we produce films like I've got two short films in production right now or, or not, not in production. One's in post-production and one's about to shoot this weekend. So, um, you know, that's something, but that's not like a revenue generator for our company. That's more of a goodwill generator, if you will. So that's that's kind of, I think, what we do best is is really kind of combining the, the right brain and the left brain, so to speak, of, of uh, you know, people's projects and, and where they should be going uh, in the future. What is a typic typical... Uh client engagement look like for you guys? So usually what happens is, you know, we'll get an inquiry, you know, through like a, you know, I often ask people, I think that's key for anybody that's listening out there is when you get a new client that comes through, through some channel, 
it, it's always great when you're on the call with them or you know sorting a phone time out through email is to find out you know how they discovered you know the company and a lot of times it's through google search so we really you know i make sure that our google adwords are are always you know in display advertising are always running um same with facebook not so much on twitter but instagram you know because that's where a lot of our audience spends its time and you know we pr you know promote uh posts and create ads that you know really appeal to the more uh iconoclastic sort of uh attributes in a you know a audience profile or a potential customer profile because those are the people that we end up working with so you know we'll 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 come through you know they'll come through us a, a one channel or the other and then we'll have a you know a 30 minute phone call with them we try to keep those as short as possible just because you know again that's that's not really generating any revenue for us it's basically a free um you know 30 minute kind of uh estimate so to speak like what we can do for them so we talk about like what their project is what they're looking for you know a, a brief discussion of some of their goals and then what we do is within, you know, I'd say like 36 to 48 hours, sometimes quicker if we can do it, we get a proposal out to them, which kind of gets the next phase of the discussion started. And then you know, we kind of whittle it down based on their budget or add things, you know, if they see something on there that they didn't, you know, that they, they don't see on there that they want and they have the budget for it. That's, you know, so, so it's a little bit of negotiating uh, at that stage. And then, you know, I, I'd say like, you know, without overselling it, I feel like once we have a proposal out to somebody, once we reach that stage, you know, I'd say that we've got a pretty good chance, like I would say, you know, better than 50-50, you know, I'd say like probably 80% of the people that we send proposals out to wind up working with us because, you know, again, it's like the, the quality of service offered, the, the scope of service, like we really try to be as, you know, we've gotten comments from clients that have signed up with us, just how refreshing it was to see a proposal broken down in the way that we do it, instead of just saying, yeah, here's, you know, it's $8,000 and we'll do publicity for you, which, you know, again, a lot of people do that because, you know, they can. And, you know, I think even if we're ever able to be in that position to be so, you know, seemingly cavalier about it all. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want us to because I feel like, again, you know, that customer care, that customer satisfaction, because, you know, we've got had a number of customers that we've worked with for years on multiple projects and they come back to us, you know, I think for a lot of it is because of our bedside manner. Well, I was going to say it's because of our bedside manner sort yeah. of a way to way to describe it. Just that, you know, we check in with people, you know, email or, or, or on the phone as you know, as often as reasonably possible, uh, especially when we're in an engagement with a customer or a client. And then, you know, every once in a while, we'll, we'll just see how things are going or if there's something that's sort of like going to happen down the road. Like a lot of times, like with a film release, for instance, you've got very uh, specific uh, segments of each campaign. So, you know, here's like the pre-release when it's, you know, up, up for pre-sale. And then here's like the release, which could be two weeks from the day it's, you know, out, you know, maybe it's day and date. So it does a theatrical combined with a on demand or a VOD, or maybe it's one or the other, you know, they stagger them, who knows. But, you know, if it the next one's not starting for two months, you know, we don't just like let the customer kind of chill out for two months, you know, like, you know, we'll be in touch saying, how's everything going? Are you, are you checking into this? Are you checking into that? And, you know, what happens is, you know, we get then we get referrals from 
clients who have, you know, talked to other, you know, to friends and to whomever, and then they get in touch and, and say like, oh, we heard such good things from so-and-so, you know, we were wondering if you could do this or, you know, does this make sense? And, you know, we're pretty open to everything. Like we're, you know, right now, in addition to, you know, a, a you know, a large number of independent films and, and some, uh, you know, arts organizations, like we also work with film festivals and presenting organizations. We used to work with a flamenco company in New York City for a number of years. Um, uh, so I lost my train of thought there on that. That's that okay. Question. So let's move into a couple news stories here. Our first news story, um, I guess both are coming from the Smart House blog, but the first one's titled um, Driving iTunes Movie Pre-orders with Facebook's, uh, Facebook Ads. It's written by you, Brad. Um, can you tell, tell me a little bit about the article? Yeah, so this is something that we put together. We had a client um, that had a movie called Adele and Everything After about a service dog and uh, a woman's relationship with the dog, especially as... Uh, the dog transitions out to another role, and she brings in a new, a new service animal. So, you know, it's a, a, you know, really powerful documentary. Played a lot of film festivals, and then, you know, when it was ready to uh, to release, they got in touch with us, and, you know, we we supported them with strategy and publicity and marketing, uh, you know, basically the whole shebang. Uh, for for their release, which is you know a big deal for filmmakers because it's basically like your sort of like your big public moment, and you know, if you get out to a good start, it can be really beneficial, uh, especially on iTunes or Amazon. Like that's going to help uh, provide additional visibility, put you up toward the top of the charts. So we really wanted in this case we wanted to to really come out strong uh, during the pre-sale period. Uh, which you know can be anywhere from 30 days to two weeks before a release. I think it's always good to have a pre-sale because that helps you build, you know, a, a sales record so that when the film becomes available on the day it becomes available, all all of those pre-sales get counted toward you know its its ranking, its popularity uh, based on on sales. So that's you know we really wanted to to hit that hard here with Adele. And the point of this article, so I wrote this after everything had had sort of uh, taken place, and I wanted to, to make this into a very uh, robust uh, case study about, you know, how, how we did this. Because uh, if you scroll down, so like I've included screenshots of, you know, step-by-step step with screenshots about what who we targeted, what we targeted, what the audiences looked like. You know, and then I, you know, had a section on, you know, the A-B testing that we did and, you know, what worked and what didn't work and if we had different copy versus creative, you know, how we targeted things, you know, and then I put in, a, you know, a, a, the ad metrics. So showing like the number of link clicks, the reach, the impressions, the cost per click, the budget for each of those, you know, and how many, you know, we were looking at 20 cents per click. There were almost 2,500 clicks uh, for a $500 um expenditure. So I thought that was notable. And then with the outcomes, you know, one of the screenshots I took was from the iTunes store, how, you know, Adele, it was coming out on January 30th. And if you look at the list in the pre-sales, you know, ranked by bestseller here, the the screenshot, you've got 
you know, the first one is a movie starring Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson. The next one is a movie starring Denzel Washington. Then you have The Florida Project, which was an indie darling. Uh, then two other, you know, well-known independent uh, dramas, uh, a Tyler Perry film, a uh, film that won, uh, I think, the top prize at Cannes uh, the year before. And then right there at, you know, so this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Adele was number six. Uh, for its release date, which, you know, we often don't even have that that level of, of good, re, you know, like result like that. That is, a, a you know, a really good outcome. You know, without, in the article, like, you state that you spent uh, $500 in, I believe it was Facebook ads. Um, I'm curious yeah. what the what the impact on the film was. How did how did getting to number six impact the film? Yeah, well, it allowed them to debut in the top 200. Um, for, you know, like on the, the, the primary iTunes. Do you have any, any insight into how it impacted them financially? Brad, I lost your audio again. Have you maybe unplugged your microphone? Maybe it's loose? Now we've lost you. I'm going to go ahead and do the outro here, just in case. That's it for today on Mind Your Own Marketing Business. You can find Smart House online at smarthousecreative.com or on Twitter and Instagram at, at Team Smart House. Um, you can also read, reach Brad on Twitter and Instagram at, at JB Wilkie. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business po Podcast. You can download episodes of the program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.